Good morning. We are so glad that you're here this morning. As you may have noticed, we are beginning a new series, Into the Lion's Den. And before we begin, I want to let you all know that uh, I missed a belt loop today on my shorts. So there got this weird sag in the back I just now realized is there, and there's no time to fix it. So if you see me adjusting my pants off, and that's why, uh, I know you wanted to know that, especially if you're online, you're getting the in-person experience, and you yourself are welcome. One thing I did want to kind of bring to your guys' attention, and, and it is a little bit of a pat on your backs. I just wanted you to know this week as a church, uh, we are able to, we're, we're going to spend $1,000 on some non-perishable groceries to send over to people helping people. I wanted to keep you guys aware of that, one, because they are in dire need, two, because it's only through your generosity that that is possible. And so we set aside money every month from what we receive to make sure that we have money to spend for missional causes like that one. And so I just wanted to remind you that uh, we not only appreciate your giving, but it goes directly to help uh, our church and help our church help our community. And there's two ways that you can give as, as usual. You can give right over there in our giving box. See, it says giving box. Uh, you can also give online through our CF, CPF dot me app. And so uh, every time you give, you are helping our community. I can promise you that. And I just wanted to give you all a pat on the back because it, it is a big deal. So thank you all for your generosity. And without further ado, we are going to dive in. So we are in week one of our series, Daniel, right? Looking at um, a study uh, of Daniel, as you may have guessed or know just from your history with church, he does end up in the lion's den, but it takes just a few chapters to get there. So we're going to be in chapter one today. If you want to go ahead and, and turn there or follow along, everything will be on the screen. But, uh, you know, in today's society, being a Christian isn't easy. Uh, it just isn't. And in North America, uh, I will tell you it's easier to be a Christian here um, than a lot of other places. Uh, but while many still claim that Christianity uh, is their religion, Bible-believing, God-fearing Christians, at least in the United States, aren't as common as they used to be. Um, in fact, and I told you guys this in a series a while back, but Africa by 2025 is probably going to take over as like the world capital of Christianity. Um, today's culture is often hostile to Christian values and beliefs. Everywhere you look, everywhere you turn, from simple advertisements to TV shows, speak really against our morals and our beliefs. And we're taught that if we hold these morals and beliefs, we are bigoted and judgmental, and we are hate-filled mongers of really what they consider to be an evil God. And uh, I will push back against that to say that that's not the case. Um, but with it being such a hostile times, at times it can lead to feelings of hopelessness and fear, right? How do we really fit in to our world? How, how do we, as somebody who's supposed to be countercultural, fit in with everyone else? The truth is, this isn't a new phenomenon. It's not. The world has always been hostile to the truth of God. And as Christians, it's important that the strength of our faith and our ability to persevere is not altered by what's currently happening in our life. Daniel is a wonderful example of having faith in spite of fear. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, just to give you guys a little bit of background, Daniel's name means God is my judge. God is my judge. Daniel wrote this book while captive to Babylon around 605 BCE. And, and right now what had happened is Babylon has currently taken over from Assyria as the world power. 
Now, Daniel wrote this book to his fellow Jews who were exiled in Babylon with him. His purpose was to remind his people that regardless of their circumstances, God was in control and restoration would come. And that's a good message for us as well, right? We can relate to that and the need for that. Now, as we come to the point in which we're going to discuss Daniel today, he was one of many young men who were found to be of sound mind and body that were taken into the king's court for a three-year training course. After the three years, they would be brought into the king's service. And really what these young men were, just because the Bible doesn't make it expressly clear to you as you're reading, they were hostages. They were hostages. Now, If you're going to be a hostage, they were in a situation where you probably would be okay being a hostage, but they were hostages. And the purpose of having them was to keep all of their fellow Jews and their families in line, right? And these hostages knew that they had to kind of fall in line with everything that Babylon was having them do, because if they didn't, then their families' lives would be in danger. So these are, in fact, hostages. Now, their compliance was key to not only their survival, but the survival of their loved ones, like I just said, and their survival of their common fellow Jew. Now, we are told specifically of four young men at the beginning of Daniel, Daniel being one of them, Hananiah being the other, Mishael and Azariah, who were respectively given Babylonian names, the, I'm going to say this one really weird, but Belt, I've been practicing all week, Belshazzar. There's another one that's very close to that. Belshazzar is the name given to Daniel. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, you've probably heard those names because of the old great kid song. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You're right. Yeah, little bluesy, like stand-up bass in the background. All right, so you, those names are, are names that you probably recognize. Now, in this renaming, we learn our first lessons. And this is this. Your actions... Your actions are who you say, let me say, rephrase this. You, you are what your actions say you are, right? We talked about all through last, our last series how God forms our identity. We find our identity in Christ. The proof of, of that identity is in our actions, not in what we are called, right? If it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck and it does all the things a duck would do, well, it's probably a duck right? It's probably a duck. Now, these were four young men who were renamed because their Jewish names were a testimony to the power of Yahweh. They honored Yahweh. Daniel, as we already said, meant God is my judge. Hananiah has the meaning Yahweh has been gracious. Michel is who is what Yahweh is. And Azariah meant Yahweh has helped. So their names were changed in an attempt to get rid of any testimony to the God of Israel inside of Babylon's court. They wanted to kind of rid everyone of the memory of who their God was. But it isn't a title that honors God. It's the way we live our lives. That's what says we are a Christian. You can walk like a heathen. You can talk like a heathen. You can do all the things that a heathen would do and claim to be a Christian, but that doesn't make you a Christian. It's not the title that's on our nameplate. It's not what we ascribe to be that determines what we are. It's what we do. It's what we do. You honor God by how you live your life. You honor God by the choices you make in the face of adversity. 
Sometimes you honor God by knowing when to let something go and when you should step up and fight. And as we're about to see throughout this series for these four young men, they were not afraid to take a stand when it was needed. So the first verse we're going to look at is verse 8 in chapter 1. It says, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Now, it would be a mistake to think that this captivity was particularly difficult for those that were taken into the king's court. I kind of already told you that. If they were going to be a hostage, this would really be a good situation to be a hostage um, in, okay? Now, this wasn't their home. They were away with family. They were away from their culture. They were plucked out of their daily lives and put into this new life. So from that perspective, obviously, it's not a great situation. And they certainly were hostages. But they were also being given abundant provision by King Nebuchadnezzar. He gave them food and wine from his own table. They lived in his court. Their uh, furnishings were probably lavish in comparison to what they lived in in their daily lives. They were being educated. They had it sort of easy as far as captives go, if you know anything about your history of the captives of Israel. Because the majority of the time, captives were turned into slaves, right? Forced labor. Forced labor. And so this was a situation that wasn't the worst of the worst. So they're being given this food, the finest food that Babylon has to answer, the food straight from the king's table, but Daniel refuses. Daniel refuses. He was okay with the name change. Sure, call me whatever you want, but I'm not going to eat food that God teaches us is unclean. Right? And Part of the reason it was unclean is because the food that was prepared for them didn't meet the strict standards of Jewish law. It was prepared by Gentile hands. It was sacrificed first to Babylonian gods. The wine was undiluted. Now, I'm going to teach you guys something maybe you want to know or don't know, because some of you guys use like, oh, they drink wine all the time in the Bible, so it's okay that I had my fourth bottle with dinner, right? Like, this was undiluted wine that the king was trying to give them, but the Jews always diluted their wine. So typically, it was anywhere from like three parts water to one part wine. Some, to really make sure they didn't get too excited, did five parts water to one part wine. If they really wanted to make sure that it was just a drink and not a party, right, they did 10 parts water to one part wine. So this was undiluted wine, much easier to uh, get drunk off of and make a fool out of yourself with. And so all of this would have been against God's instruction. And Daniel's only desire... The thing that he lived for, what he strived to do every single day and all that he did was to please God. He wanted to please God. It's easy. It's easy to seek God when our provision is pint-sized and far more difficult when our provision is plentiful. It's really easy to chase after God when we are in need when we aren't being fulfilled. It becomes more difficult when we're fat and happy. It just does. And these Israelites were having everything handed to them. And I'm sure that the food, while unclean, was probably pretty good. 
and looked appealing and looked appetizing and smelled wonderful and all the great things that you walk into like a KFC and experience. <laughs> it's crispy. And it smells like butter. And sure, you almost fall on the floor from the grease. But you know you're going to have to go like 10 napkins deep, right? It's about to be delicious. But sometimes, as Christians, you have to be willing to walk away from a good situation for a greater God. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes, as Christians, you have to be willing to walk away from a good situation for a greater God. You may not understand why he's calling you. You may not like it. It may be uncomfortable. But if God calls, you must go. And if God teaches you something that is true, then you must stick to it. And Daniel was unwilling to bend or to compromise on the truth of God. Daniel trusted. Daniel acted. And as you're going to see here shortly and throughout our series, Daniel was rewarded. Looking at verses 9 and 10, Daniel chapter 1, it says, And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Now, Daniel is willing to stand up and fight for what he knows is right. And because of that, God helps him to find favor in this leader, this eunuch that we're told about. And he was basically the person that was put in charge of all the captives, right? This is your job. You're controlling their wellness program. You're going to make sure that they are exactly what they need to be in order to enter my service in three years and to do whatever it is that I need them to do. And this eunuch, like any good employee, is slightly fearful of his boss, except kind of goes a little step further because his boss will just cut his head off if things go wrong, right? Some of you are like, I got that boss too. <laughs> and so the eunuch is like, hey, man, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I want to help. I want to help. But it's not going to really be you that gets in trouble. It's going to be me. It'll be my hide. But Daniel trusted God to move, and God moved on his behalf. Daniel had the will, God provided the way. Daniel had the will, God provided the way. And it works the same way today. It works the same way today. We must have the will to follow and obey where God is calling us to go. That's faith. Faith is also knowing, knowing, not believing, knowing that God will provide the way. Finishing out verses 11 through 16, it said, Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servant for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. I definitely would have struggled with this. I would have failed. They would have showed up with like steak and wine, and I would have been like, I'll take that instead, right? But Daniel's like, no. Give me some vegetables. Give me some water. Let me eat it with my meals for 10 days. The same time they eat, we'll do everything else the same. And it says, then let our appearance, this is verse 13, then let our appearance and the appearance of the ewes who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. 
So he listened to them in this matter, and he tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the ewes who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine that they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables. Now, what can we learn from this situation? What can we learn from this situation? I think that it's this. Faith and logic aren't always at odds. Faith and logic aren't always at odds. There's this large camp in Christianity, and I don't really know why it exists, that says as long as you have enough faith, everything will be okay. If you just believe, everything will work out. And to a certain extent, I don't necessarily think that they are wrong. But that doesn't mean that we throw logic out the window. You guys have all heard the joke, right? The guy's drowning in the middle of the lake or the middle of the river, and a boat comes by, and they try to throw, some, throw him the ring preserver or whatever, and he's like, no, thanks. God's going to save me, right? And then they're like, all right, whatever, dude, and they go, and then here comes along another, this old dude. He's fishing. I don't know. Pick whoever, what kind of boat you want. And he's like, hey, I got an extra life jacket. Here you go. Come on in. And the guy's like, no, thanks. Throws it back to him. God's going to save me. So he's still out there, and he's treading water, and he's getting tired. And here comes like this third vessel or a plane. It doesn't even matter what it is. You choose. It's the Titanic before it hit the glacier. And they're like, hey, we have an entire life raft just for you. Get in it. And he's like, no, thanks. God will save me. And then he drowns and he dies. And he gets to heaven. And he's standing before God. And he's like, God, I had faith. Why didn't you save me? And God's like, you idiot. I sent you three boats. Right? I sent you three boats. You said no to all of them. Faith and logic don't have to exist without each other. And sometimes there are logical steps that we can take that partner with our faith in order to bring about the will of God. David's 10-day proposal was smart. It was smart. It was logical. It didn't show a lack of faith. 10 days would be enough time to determine if there were detrimental effects to their diet. In 10 days, you'll be able to see if I lose some weight. I mean, you will. If they're eating all this fatty meat and, and drinking all this wine and, and we're just eating vegetables and water, you should be able to see a difference to us in 10 days if it's detrimental. It's enough time. But it also would prevent them from having such marked deterioration that he would have put the eunuch in danger. 10 days is few enough days that the dude could like shove him some meat on day 11 and start to fatten him back up. So that's what Daniel says. He uses logic. He says, hey, test us for 10 days. See what happens. And if we're worse off, then you do what you see fit. Meaning if we're worse off, if we're worse off, then give us the, the king's food and we'll eat it. It wasn't a lack of faith. In fact, I think it's quite the opposite. Daniel knew the outcome. In 10 days, you'll see that we are obeying our God, and because we are obeying our God, we are honoring him, he will honor the decisions that we are making. Honoring God never results in having egg on your face. Honoring God never results in having egg on your face. Just because we know an outcome doesn't mean that our choices 
don't cause others fear. I want you to think about that. Just because we know the outcome, just because we know that God is going to be in control, just because we know that by honoring God, he's going to have our back, doesn't mean that the choices that we make in that faith, in that knowing, won't cause fear in other people. And that doesn't mean that we disregard what God is calling us to accomplish. It does mean that maybe we just change our approach. Because let me tell you what would have happened if Daniel had just said, we're not going to eat it. Right? If the food came and they just turned their nose up at it, the eunuch would have died. He would have lost his head. And sometimes, as Christians, we stand up for the right things in the wrong way. And we can be so bullish, and we can be so proud, and we'll just try to ram it in there. And the only thing that that does is turn people away from God. You've all heard the saying, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. I don't know if that's the saying. Sugar, something sweet rather than something sour. So what we see Daniel put into practice. Because through his actions, through the change in his approach, through his use of logic, along with his faith, he was able to witness to the power of his God. And he was able to prove the teachings of his God to a godless heathen in the middle of Babylon. You can be right and still be wrong. You can be right and still be wrong. Again, that doesn't mean that we change our outcome that doesn't mean that we bend on our morals and our principles. That just means that we choose the most godly way possible to stand our ground. And that choice has its foundation in loving our God with all of our heart and loving our neighbor with all of our heart and mind and soul. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now today, and Lord, I am just so thankful for you. I am thankful for the fact that you are a powerful God who can deliver the best of outcomes. And God, I pray that for all of us, you would bring us to this place of maturity where we realize and recognize that there is a right way and a wrong way to do things, but at the end of the day, the right way to always do things is your way. And so, God, I, I pray that we live lives that point others to you. We live lives that show others that you are loving and gracious, but also firm and unwavering. And while those seem like opposites, God, they can be done at the same time. We can stand our ground and love our neighbor. We can hold true to biblical truths. In the face of fear, we can have faith.
We can be just like Daniel and know the difference between an issue that isn't eternally important and one that is. God, may we never do anything that defiles your teachings or your name. But may we also walk that fine line that never pushes anybody away from you. Let the gospel be the offense, not our actions, not our methods. I lift up every single person in this room to you today. God, I pray that you continue to work in them as you protect them and perfect their faith. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Let's stand up. Let's worship. Let's stand up and worship. This is a time, and I tell you this every week, this is a time for you to worship and to reflect and to give God what God is due. This is also a time for prayer. If you have something that you need to pray about, we want you to, to, to find somebody to pray with this morning. Uh, Joy, could, would you mind? I'm going to have you stand. Joy's going to be back here under this television, kind of by the bar area, ready to pray with you if you feel more comfortable praying with her. Shane, could I have you back over here? Shane Coker is going to be back here on this right side, ready to pray with you. Also, guys, I know, I mean, I feel like I know almost everybody in here. Some of you are newer. Some of you have been here forever. Some of you I've known forever. There's not really anybody in here who's going to tell you no if you say, hey, will you pray with me? So if you just want to sit in your row and there's somebody next to you, ask them to pray with you. They'll pray with you. They'll pray with you. Prayer is important. It's how we connect to God. It's how God connects with us. It's how we see things change. So if there's a circumstance in your life that is too big for you, lift it up to God in prayer. If you don't know God as your personal Lord and Savior, that's just, I feel like an old school way of terming it, but it's the way I know how. If God is not leading every step of your life, if you have not turned yourself completely over to Him today, if you would not consider yourself a Christian because you don't have that relationship with God the Father and Christ the Son, this is the time to work all that out. Come talk with me. Come talk with me. Right now, otherwise, we're going to stand. We are going to worship.